This is the third of three on the kingdom. And I said last week that we started with the appetizer two weeks ago. Then last week was the main dish. And this week I promised you dessert. So I hope it lives up to that. And um, in uh, this, so uh, every morning when my alarm goes off, I switch on the radio so I don't go back to sleep again, and I hear the headline news. And you know what? It's, it can be very depressing. There's usually there's a stabbing or a shooting or somebody killed in a road accident. These this things just happen. Do you, uh, do you ever think that when you, when you listen to the headlines? This just seems so wrong. What's my response supposed to be to that? And... Uh, This is what we're going to talk about this week. And in in Mark chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus says to us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven and in earth. So my question then is, what does this actually mean to pray this? My goal is to know what it means to pray your kingdom come and to understand how this will happen and what our part is. And we are going to recap the, the, the appetizer and the main dish. And then we're going to look at God's kingdom now, God's kingdom to come, and then what it means to pray your kingdom come and what our part is in this. So God's kingdom now. Uh, sorry, Recap of parts one and two. So I began by talking about a passion for the kingdom and how uh, for Jesus, it was everything he did. Everything he said was about the kingdom. And more than a hundred times in the gospels, we, we read of him using the word the kingdom. And every act of, of kindness, every, every judgment, everything was connected with the kingdom. And all he did. And uh, it was his passion, his chief concern. And also he said, when he, when he spoke, he said that we should have a similar passion. And one of his parables was the pearl of great price about a merchant who, who collected and bought and sold expensive pearls. And then he saw a pearl which was beyond anything he'd seen. And in order to buy this pearl, he sold everything he had because it was worth it for this pearl. And he said, this is what your attitude should be to the kingdom. It should be worth everything that you have. It should be more valuable than anything that you have. And you should be be willing to sacrifice anything and everything for the kingdom. So that was the the appetizer. And then last week, I spoke about the long-promised kingdom finally arriving and how the prophets in the Old Testament have spoken about this kingdom. And then John the Baptist came and he said, the kingdom is coming, repent. And then one day, a man got up in a synagogue and he said, pass me the book of Isaiah. And he read from it and he said, today, this is being filled in your hearing. And this was Jesus. And he began to preach the kingdom. He began to cast out demons, heal the sick, and preach the message of the kingdom. And we saw that, um, that 
uh, he, in his teaching, as a new set of laws which we called the upside-down kingdom because everything was reversed. You know, if you want to be great, you must be the least. If you want to, um, you should love your enemies and those who hate you, you should, you should show compassion too. And you should be willing to die to everything in order to live, to be raised up by God. And everything was in reverse in this. And uh, this was his new kingdom. And if you, if you follow Jesus, he put these things into practice. And, um, but then he talked about how to get citizenship in his kingdom. How do we enter into it? And it's not by doing these things. You can't become a member by doing enough of the, of the works that he preached about. No, it's only by some of heaven coming down into you, which he called being born again from above. Being born again from above. And it's heaven coming down. He said you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you have this new life from the Spirit within you. And how do you get that? Simply by trusting him and asking him for it as a free gift. And then the amazing thing is that once the kingdom is in you, there's something in you that will naturally want to do these upside down things like loving your enemies. Now, it doesn't mean to say there aren't old patterns of behavior there as well. But there is a new force within you, which is the force of heaven, the life of the spirit in you. And so getting into the kingdom is not by following all of these new laws, because you can't by yourself. It's by simply trusting Jesus. And through trusting him, you become born again into uh, uh, in, by heaven coming down and heaven, the life of heaven coming into your hearts. So you're born from above, to use the literal expression that Jesus used. You're born from above. And um, so that is what we talked about last week. And uh, just to, to kind of focus on one of the, 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 the questions I asked is, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? And the kingdom is not the church. It's not the same as the church. The church can be an expression of the kingdom, but you can't equate the, whole, the two things together. Primarily, the kingdom is God's rule. And that God's rule is righteousness, peace, justice, love, mercy, and joy. And those are the life of the kingdom being practiced. That's God's rule. So in, in Romans chapter 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so what does that actually look like? When God's life God's rule comes into a situation, it brings these things. And so to give some, some examples, uh, when God's kingdom comes into society, the poor get treated fairly, the oppressed are liberated. When God's kingdom comes into a marriage, uh, anger and selfish get selfishness get replaced by love and servanthood. When God's kingdom comes into broken lives, people are set free emotionally. And it's everything that's opposite to Satan's kingdom, which is called the kingdom of darkness. So you notice sometimes we read kingdom of heaven and sometimes kingdom of God. 
And people have said, well, why are they two different things? Well, actually, they're not, because Jesus used them interchangeably. So, for example, when he was speaking to the rich young ruler, he just, like, flipped between using kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. They're the same thing. They just major on different aspects. The kingdom of God is about his rule and his, his values coming in, whereas the kingdom of heaven is about um, ha- heaven now, some parts of heaven coming in now, some of the, the, uh, the uh, blessings of heaven and the way that heaven operates coming into our present. Um, so uh, that's, that's a recap then of what we did last week. And I'd like to, to, to now to look at what our experience of the kingdom right now is and should be. And then I'd like to look at the future, the kingdom to come, and then to finish asking what, how we fit in when we pray your kingdom come. So the first thing to be very clear on is that the kingdom has begun. And in Matthew 4, verse 16, we read, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what this means, uh, here's another, is in, from the epistles, here's another expression of what this means, that it's begun. The king is ruling, and Paul prays that we might know what the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And what I want you to look at is back to verse 19. He says, the greatness of his power towards us who believed. So Jesus ruling above every other power does have an impact on us. And that's what Paul wants to expand in the letter to the Ephesians. So I want to be absolutely clear that Jesus is the king is ruling. Amen? He is ruling now. He is victorious. He is he's begun the kingdom. It is there. He is ruling in power. And that's absolutely key to understand. That's where we have to start. And um, uh, the, the, then there is an idea which is really crucial, which if we don't get we can get into a lot of confusion. And that is often called the already and the not yet. The kingdom is already, but also the kingdom is not yet. The kingdom will not be visible to our eyes until Jesus returns. The, the, the effects of the kingdom are visible, but not the actual kingdom. And so... Jesus is saying, I'm going to be coming in my kingdom. I'm going to bring in the kingdom. And some of the descriptions Jesus uses of the kingdom are talking about the final uh, manifestation of the kingdom when it finally comes in. So this is an aspect of the kingdom which uh, often is called the already and the not yet. And so the kingdom is here already, but its full unveiling is not yet. And it's a little bit like someone who's uh, a couple who are engaged to be married, 
but they're not married yet. Not that we're going to point that out to anybody here. To, <laughs> um, uh, so uh, another expression then is, is an inaugurated and not consummated. And so we're in this in-between. The kingdom is announced and it's beginning its effect and the ruler is there in place and the kingdom is is making inroads into the kingdom of darkness but the king of darkness kingdom of darkness is not completely destroyed yet and we are in the middle of this time of battle and a, a practical example of this would be prayer for healing now we know that in heaven there is no sickness there is no suffering there is no death there's no death in heaven is there it's, it's a time. There's no, not even any pain in heaven. Now, if you believe that we have, have, um, we have none of heaven now, and heaven isn't, we don't have any of it now, you won't pray for healing. You won't pray for sickness. You won't pray for, for that kind of supernatural event because you don't believe that any of heaven is coming to earth now. You don't believe the kingdom is there. But on the other hand, if you believe we have all of heaven now, then you believe that every single person must be healed. And if they're not healed, it's their own fault. They don't have enough faith because God wants every single person to be healed. In fact, logically, he doesn't want people to die. And so we should be able to pray for every dead person to be raised from the dead because like that's what heaven is. Heaven is, is victory over death. And so the two errors then are... The kingdom has not begun, and so don't pray, don't bother praying for healing. On the other one is the, the, the kingdom is fully complete, and so uh, we know that if, if you're not healed, there must be something wrong with you, some, some problem, because God wants you to be healed. And the same thing would be done in the prosperity gospel for you, like your finances, everything in heaven, nobody's short of anything. So, you know, you need to have, to have a, 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 anything, you know, all the wealth you need. There's no suffering in heaven, so we shouldn't be suffering now. Well, that you have a problem if you read the rest of the New Testament, if you want to say there should be no suffering now. Um, and what you end up with, in fact, is um, with, uh, we need faith to be in this time here. We need faith to continue to be praying for all of these things. We need to pray for finances. We need to pray for sickness. We need to pray even for the dead to be raised. But we need to understand why it might not always happen and it might not happen straight away. And so instead we pray, God, I know you have the power to heal. I know you have the power to heal right now. And Lord, you tell us to pray for healing. And so I'm going to pray right now and I put this into your hands and I'm trusting you, Lord, that I, would, I, I want to see your power come down and I want to see healing. Um, but then we give that to God. And um, um, so, so, this is, so when G, uh, Jesus or Peter or Paul raised somebody from the dead, that was heaven coming down on earth. But to say that Christians will always be raised from the dead today is to misunderstand God's schedule for the coming kingdom because we will all be raised from the dead. We will be. And some people, I believe, God can still raise from the dead. But the, we know that we will be raised when the kingdom comes in power and the end when Jesus returns and all of us will be raised. So we are in the already 
but also the not yet. Paul tells us about a physical pain that he had, he called a thorn in the flesh. And he said three times he pleaded with God that this should be taken away, but God hadn't done that yet. Instead, God gave him a word, and the word God gave him was, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, I was content to leave that with God um, because of that word from him. And so... Uh, that is the attitude that, that we have. We, we, we pursue God, the, every manifestation of the kingdom, but we recognize we're not in a time when it is completely fulfilled. Um, so sickness is just one of the issues we face. Uh, we pray for loved ones to receive the gospel, ones who are not saved. We pray for that. We pray passionately for that. We, don't let, uh, we pray for, for uh, safety, for finances, for employment, for world peace, for the ending of oppression in this world. But we know that oppression isn't going to end in this world until Christ returns. And that's until, that's not, until then, it won't completely end. Um, <clears throat> I personally... I don't think that we should ever give up praying for any of these. Um, because uh, I'm going to argue that the, the, uh, the command, the expression, your kingdom come, which Jesus tells us to pray, is actually a prayer for these things, when it, what it looks like in practice. But we're living this time where it requires faith because uh, we're in the not yet. So Jesus tells us that not only has the kingdom come, but the kingdom is growing. And he gives some parables. He put another parable for them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. I had the privilege a number of years ago to, to, to preach in Sri Lanka. And uh, I, I, um, God gave me some messages to preach. And one of them was on this parable uh, or some, other, some parables, including this one. And I discovered there was a mustard tree right there inside <laughs> where I was preaching. And it was like, it was a, it was a tree. And they all knew about this. And so it's, it, this is, um, but the point of this is that here is a mustard seed. It's very, very small, um, but it grows into something uh, incredibly big compared with the original size. And here's another one. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which is a word for yeast, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So what's the point of that? Well, you can't see the yeast spreading. You just mix it in and can't see anything happening. But the yeast is working quietly and efficiently and growing. And the idea of this is that we might not see the kingdom growing, but for 2,000 years, God's kingdom has been growing and it's been permeating and things are happening which may not be, we may not be aware of. There's a dimension to the kingdom growing which is hidden, but nevertheless very powerful. And then you get a manifestation. Okay, this is what it looks like. So right now then, we're in a time where 
The kingdom has begun. It's begun in power. The power is demonstrated, but it's not complete. And so we're in between the uh, the beginning, the inauguration, and the completion of the kingdom. We're in this time in the begin in the middle here. And the kingdom during this time is growing. And during this time, we are to pray your kingdom come because it's not fully come yet. So that is the kingdom now. Now I'd like to talk about the kingdom to come. Uh, so I'd like to talk about, uh, then I want to talk about the prayer and how we respond to this. I'd like to talk about why I'm optimistic about the kingdom. Now, some of these things I'm going to say in just a minute, uh, Christians disagree with, and you, it's quite okay if you disagree with me on this. I just want to say this. I don't, look, that's not a, not a problem. If you disagree with Jesus, I have a problem. But you can disagree with me. So I'm going to be quoting Jesus. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I, uh, so there are, there are a number of different views. One of the views of... Um, of, uh, of history is called the dispensational view, where you divide history into seven dispensations, and every one of them ends in failure, and, and God has to come and dig people out of it. And that view would say that the current age that we're in now is going to end in failure. And, yeah, and so, you know, and that can lead churches to kind of, well, let's just batten down the hatches and survive. We've just got to hang on in there. Um, but it's, it's kind of a, like an, you can turn into an inward-looking um, model of, of how you do church. There's only one verse in Scripture which could lead you to that thinking, and that Jesus gives a parable where he ends by saying, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on all the earth? People say, well, Jesus is saying he won't find faith anywhere. Well, come on. It's a question. He's not saying there won't be. But also it's a parable. It's part of a parable. And it's just one place in the whole scripture. And you've got to understand everything, how everything fits together. So I'm going to take, give you some of my reasons from scripture. Um, so we read, uh, we read that the earth will be filled with God's glory. And in, in Numbers 14.21, but truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. All the earth will be filled. And then in Psalm 72, may his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. Many, may people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Now, I don't think that means that every single person in every single country calls Jesus blessed, but it does seem to suggest that every nation has like got, um, is basically following Jesus at some kind of level. And then in Habakkuk 2.14, this is my favorite one. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I want to ask you, how much of the sea is covered with water? How much? Like 50%? It's pretty much all covered. Well, that's the definition of sea. It's covered in water. And so what's this saying? It's saying that um, there will be a a time when God's glory fills the entire earth. It fills the earth. And... um, so this is an expectation of hope for the kingdom. Uh, so I'm going to give you one more biblical example. So 
in da- the book of Daniel, Daniel interprets a dream that the king has. And in this king, in this dream, there's a statue. And this is in the interpretation of the statue. Daniel says to the king, as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Now, um, when if we took, took the time to read this story, uh, this is an amazing prophetic dream because the, the he- head and shoulders of this great statue are gold and they're symbolizing the, the uh, Babylonian Empire. And then the chest is silver, which is symbolizing the Medes and the Persians. And then the, the thighs are bronze, which are symbolizing Alexander the Great and the Macedonian Empire. And then the feet are iron, and they're symbolizing the Roman Empire. And it, this dream is amazingly prophetic of the, of the empires of the world. But what happens during the Roman Empire, uh, he says a stone Uh, cut out by no human hand, strikes the image on the feet of iron, in other words, the Roman Empire, and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold all together were broken in pieces. In other words, all the kingdoms of this earth became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, the stuff that comes off, the fluff that comes off the wheat. The wind carries them away, but that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So this is a process of this stone growing. It smashes the kingdoms of this earth and then begins to grow until it fills the whole earth. And in those days, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Now, some people might argue, well, yeah, but this is all after Jesus' return. Well, you could say that, but this isn't the idea that's here. The idea is there's a conflict here that goes on and gradually, you know, the kingdom of God is is destroying these other kingdoms until the glory fills the whole of the earth. So anyway, I'm just going to put that out there. This is what I believe. I am optimistic and and I I believe that there is, um, I'm excited about the future of the kingdom, about what God is doing. And so, uh, really, the question is, what will Jesus return to? Will Jesus return to a failure of all his plans? And in uh, Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So this suggests this growing kingdom will we'll, we'll reach the ends of the earth in terms of its growth before the end. And uh, also, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It will not prevail against uh, uh, God's church. So I'm, I'm arguing then that that. I, I believe we should be optimistic about the kingdom. I believe we should, be, we should say we're on the winning side and we're going to go and take down the enemy. We are going to, the kingdom of, of darkness is the losing side. We are going to be aggressive in the way we pursue it. Understanding what aggression means in the kingdom is not quite the same as, as physical aggression. But we, are, we, want to, we want to be proactive in, in taking forward the kingdom. 
So, you know, if you're, if you, you're quite welcome to disagree with me on that. And if you want to discuss it, I'd love to talk about it later. But this is, my, this is why I understand from these scriptures and what Jesus is saying and what the prophets are saying. And uh, so, so uh, we've talked about the kingdom has begun. We talked about the kingdom is not yet completely fulfilled. We're in this middle time. And we've, we're now going to talk about what our response is, uh, how we fit in with this when we're told to pray, your kingdom come. When Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, your kingdom coming means your will be done. Your rule will happen on this earth. And uh, so, uh, as I said before, you can't separate the kingdom and healing and Jesus commanded us to pray, your kingdom come. And so I would say that we should be praying for healing. That's part of what we do in the kingdom is to pray for people to be healed. And to pr- uh, but, but I would say that, um, that um, what we really need to do is to, to persist in, in, uh, in uh, personally as individual members of the kingdom in doing our part in taking forward the kingdom. And Jesus uh, gave a, um, an example. Well, first of all, to, he told us to pray for the kingdom to come. And then he said we are to spread the kingdom. And then we are personally to follow the king and by living out kingdom values. Those are the three things that I want to leave you with today. We pray. We spread the kingdom ourselves, and then we follow kingdom values. And uh, I'm going to give you one more quote from Jesus on the kingdom, and this is in Mark chapter 4, 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So this is spreading kingdom truth. It's, it's spreading the, the values and truth of the kingdom. And should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. So the seed, it's in the ground. It's sending down tiny little roots. Sprouting is happening. But he's not, he doesn't know how it's happening and maybe he can't really see very much happening. Maybe a tiny shoot For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade and then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And so this is a picture of this age, the age that we're in now. We're in the age where the kingdom is growing, and when we are doing our part, but it might not be manifestly obvious to us that what we're doing is having an effect. It says in um, verse 27, he himself doesn't know how, but you know God does. We're sowing seed. And I want to encourage you today that you may be sowing seed. You may be sowing seed in the way you behave, the way you speak, the way you pray. And you may not see immediate results from that. But the blade of the, of, is, is popping up. The roots are going down. The plant is growing in this mysterious way that God is doing. And one day, wow, there'll be a harvest. Amazing. And we say, I have no idea that was going to happen. But this is the way the kingdom works. 
And so we need to have that encouragement or else we can lose heart in what is happening. So what does this mean in practice? I want to say that um, we, we follow the king by living out Christian values. We live out these values in our life um, and we spread the kingdom. So partly this is by telling people about Jesus, telling people about the gospel, telling people about being born from above. Partly it's by actually doing the things in our lives, love, justice, mercy. And uh, in Habakkuk, uh, where this... Well, I read that quote about the, um, the, the kingdom covering the earth, earth as the glory of God covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's in the context about prophecies of wicked cities where there is injustice. And we are all aware of wicked cities with injustice, aren't we? And God says that my glory will cover that and through my kingdom spreading. So as you spread the kingdom, you are part of God's glory beginning to, to cover the earth. And part of how you do that is by, through kingdom values, by saying, no, that's not right. That is not how God wants things to be done. God's, God's values are different values. This is, this is the teaching of Jesus. And so um, I, we, we can pray with confidence. And, uh, and in some ways, um, this prayer that Jesus Jesus gave us to pray your kingdom come sums up everything because um, we, we, when we pray for that, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're praying for more of the gifts of the Spirit. We're praying for more healing. We're praying for more people to be saved. Uh, we're praying for the wrongs of this world to be put right. And we're praying for the um, evil of the world to be wiped out, to be destroyed. So um, I want to give you a motivation. I want, to, I want to get you excited so that you want to go out and say, yes, Andrew, I want to carry the kingdom forth today. I want to motivate you in this. And I want to say um, y- y- the kingdom of God, being, being saved, is not about your, your performance. And we get the idea from some of the, the teachings of Paul that on the last day, there may some people, be some people who've just been passengers, who've, you know, they're saved because they've trusted in Jesus, but like they haven't really like risked a lot for the church. They've just been there. And, and you know, you can, be, you can get to heaven and really not have participated much as long as you've trusted Jesus. But what I want to say is, wouldn't you rather have a front row seat? Wouldn't you rather be right there and see it? Um, back, um, this is dating me, but um, 22 years ago, we saw the millennium, the new millennium come in. And if you were around at that time, there were massive, massive displays. And, and we had it in Ontario, we had this huge firework display down at the lake. It was just extraordinary. Like this is the turn of the, the millennium and this big firework display. Now I had a choice. I could either watch it on TV or I could at midnight go down there and watch it. Well, I chose the second, because I wanted to be there. I wanted to see it happen. I wanted to see this extraordinary thousand-year celebration. And, and I did, and we did, didn't we? So this is the choice that you have. If you're in the kingdom, you can say, oh, I'm, great. I'm so glad I'm going to heaven. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. But you have the opportunity of having a front-row seat 
which might involve suffering, but then greater glory. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to say, Jesus, use me in the kingdom. I want to be used by you. I'm willing to lay down my life for you because I want to see this glory. I'm so excited by the glory that is coming. I'm so excited by this. Now, I'm, I don't, I'm, when I say God's glory will cover the earth, I'm not saying every single person will be saved. That's what I'm talking, not talking about. But I'm saying enough of the world will be saved that people will say the kingdom has been victorious. Enough of the powers of darkness will be destroyed that um, uh, the kingdom will be victorious. And we know that, um, we know that they, won't, you know, they won't all be destroyed because... Um, we, Paul tells us in Thessalonians that he will destroy some of the evil he will destroy by the brightness of his coming. But, uh, but I believe that a substantial victory w- is possible for us and um, we should be looking forward to that. Not as a guilt trip. I'm not trying to give you a guilt trip today. I'm trying to get you excited because you have this opportunity. Do you want to be part of it? And uh, this is, this is a, a choice that we have. And we're going to close by singing uh, uh, a song by David Roos, who's, um, who's uh, uh, a songwriter in uh, Manitoba, in, in Winnipeg. And uh, yeah, and no, I think he's in Winnipeg now. Uh, anyway, uh, so this is it. We're going to sing this song. And uh, I'm just going to read to you the, the second verse of the song because I think it really captures it. Uh, Father of creation... It's called, ruler of the nations, the world has yet to see a full release of your promise, the church in victory. Turn to us, Lord, and touch us. Make us strong in your might. Overcome our weakness that we could stand up and fight. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let us see on earth the glory of your son. So, we're going to sing this now, and um, I just want to leave you with, the, um, with these last three points that we're going to pray over. This is what you're being called to do. Um, you're being called to pray your kingdom come, to pray to God for his kingdom to come, not just generally. Well, generally is important, but also specifically in areas of your life and the life of other people around, around you. Pray for the kingdom to come. The second, be a front row witness to the kingdom. Tell people about the kingdom. Be there to bring forward the message of the kingdom, the values of the kingdom. And third, put them in practice yourself. Put into practice what Jesus says is how we should live in the kingdom. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that you have won the victory at the cross over all the powers of darkness. We thank you, Lord, that Satan's kingdom is defeated. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be part of the, your kingdom of light. Lord, we pray that you would give us the, the strength and the wisdom and the power of your spirit in our lives. Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come in our lives, in in our circumstances, and in this city, and in this nation, and in this world. We pray for your kingdom to come. We pray, Lord, you'll help us to spread it. And Lord, we pray, we pray you'll help us to live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.